Nick, and FYI, Nick. we can't really hear you. Sorry. Oh, was Nick speaking? <laughs> Sorry, Nick. No, we're fine. Do you want to count us in, Nick? In five, four, Hello. Hello. And welcome back to Escaping Reality, the podcast where we watch reality TV competition shows and do exactly what the title says and escape our stupid little lives. Hi. Oh my God. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> well, okay. I don't speak for everyone when I say our stupid little lives. Everyone's life is very smart and big. Our big, smart <laughs> lives. Here we are. <laughs> if you have been listening to our show, you know we are working our way through the behemoth that is Survivor. We've made it all the way to season four. Marquesas, maybe you've seen it before. Maybe you're watching along weekly with us. Maybe you're just one of our friends who we forced to listen. If so, thanks for coming. Shout <laughs> out to my mom. Shout out to all our moms. Uh, anyway, if you don't know my voice by now, I'm Anna. I am one of your hosts. Much like Jeff Probst in these early seasons of Survivor, I too am still figuring out how to give clever commentary on the world around me. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> With me, as always, are my lovely other hosts. Take it away, Stacey. Hi, everyone. This has been my favorite intro so far. This was great. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear it. Nick, hit us with that hello. Hi, I'm Nick, and my only personality trait is homosexual. Nice to meet you. Seven, four episodes in. We're proud of you. <laughs> and uh, to close us out, Aggie, how you doing? Um, I have to agree with Stacey. That was so calm and lovely as an intro, Anna. And hilarious. Like, guys, if you're not already cackling, I don't know what else we can do to make you laugh. That was beautiful. Wow. Sign me up. Get the fuck out. (laughs) No, don't do that. Please listen. Oh, please stay. Please Please stay. Don't listen. Please don't leave. We need you. Please don't go. (laughs) Yes, please. Please don't leave. (laughs) Anyway, we are talking about Survivor. Season four, Marquesas. And uh, before we get into it, I'm going to let you know who's on each tribe, because that's something that we like to do at the beginning of this podcast. So our two initial tribes were Mara Amu, which was Gina, Hunter, Patricia, Peter, Sarah, Rob, soon to be known as Boston Rob, Sean, and Vesepiev. On the other tribe, which was Rotu, we had Gabriel, John, Robert, Tammy, Zoe, Kathy, Pascal, and Nalia. Before we do anything else, let's hear everybody's initial thoughts. What are your, what are your, give me your, your 45 to 60 second thoughts on season four. Who wants to start? Nobody. I'll go. (laughs) Wow, if that doesn't say enough about this season. Right. My thoughts, I think, are pretty in line with everybody's, where this season was just a hard meh. I don't think it was terrible, but I don't think it was great. I think it was a season of Survivor. But I do think it gave us really interesting people. Boston Rod is a Survivor legend, so I did really like to see his, like, roots and, like, where he comes from and the strategy he played in this season and how that differs from when he plays again. Because I feel like if you know Survivor, you know who Boston Rob is. That's the one Survivor you cling to. So I think it was really cool to watch his, like, origin story. I feel like even if you don't watch Survivor, you know who Boston Rob is. Oh, for sure. He's, like, a reality TV legend. <laughs> legend. Absolute legend. I can hop in there. I think it's only four seasons, but we have two women in the final, which is exciting. And not necessarily a woman who has been drug along so that she can make the man look better in the final two. My tea. Because let's be honest, Tina won, but like every other time if a woman was in the final, which I guess was just Africa, it was kind of like you just made the man look better. Kelly Wigglesworth and Kim Johnson, I'm looking at you, even though I adore you, Kelly Wigglesworth. If you're listening, shout out, girl. I think you're bae. Anyway. Let me insult you really quick, but you're bae. (laughs) 
we all know that season one is not Kelly Wigglesworth's best time. She comes back later. Don't worry about her. Okay. She's coming back. She's coming back strong. Don't worry about it. But I love that there were two women in the final. I love that they were able to get there kind of Vesepi, I feel like kind of on her own. And then Nalia did have like a strong alliance with Pascal, which is just sort of continuing to prove that when you have one strong person, you can be completely honest with and hold two it can lead to good things like down the road, regardless of if both of you make it, I do think there is something to be said for that being helpful. And I agree, Nick, the people probably were more interesting. There are definitely characters, but I think on the whole, the cast is not the strongest, Um, but there are some good ones amongst them, but some of them didn't make it far enough to show us that, which is a little bit of a bummer. Yeah, I think the season was okay. (laughs) It's definitely not in my top but it has interesting aspects. I mean, we get a lot of time seeing the camp life and it is, I mean, it can be overkill, but it is kind of cool to just like see just kind of like what the hour to hour is like and just see kind of like how they entertain themselves and what kinds of conversations are going on and things like that. So that part was interesting. Like Nick said, you know, we meet Boston Rob. I will disagree though. Nick said, we all cling to Boston Rob. I cling to you. <laughs> I'm here for you and you'll only, <laughs> but, and Sandra, but yes, it is when we meet him, and he is very well known, so those are my thoughts. I would like to point out, not that I cling to Boston Rob. <laughs> you do, you said what you said. <laughs> but like, I cling to Boston Rob, I love Boston Rob. Not that everybody knows who he is. Yeah. Not that yeah. we're clinging to him, it's, he is by no means one of my favorite players. Well, that's a lot. He's Speak one- for yourself, Nicholas. Okay, I'm, I'm going to leave because I'm being attacked in my own... Don't make me podcast. mute you, Nick, talking about Boston Rob. Um, yeah, I think everybody pretty much summed it up. I agree. It's a pretty meh season. I did a secondary rewatch, and on the secondary rewatch, I was like, I get why I wasn't like super vibing with it the first time. It has some high points for sure, but I think just the amount of time that we spend at camp... I think it worked in Australia better than it did here because Australia, there were so many like environmental like intervention things that would happen to them that like weren't necessarily within their control. But I think we saw the same like focus of them at camp, which I do like because I do like when we get more of the dynamics between the players on screen. But I agree, it was just a little bit too long on some of those scenes. So just, just a little too much of a good thing sometimes. Anyway... Great, great first thoughts, team. Guys, you know, this is how you segue. He's perfect. Ladies and gents, don't ever come for our dear queen, Anna Tantillo. But I think really the problem here and what it's showing is like, it's a disjointed season, right? Like there's highs, there's highs, there's lows. There's like a lot of medium meh. There's like camp life. And then the challenges are ridiculous, which we will talk about later. But the whole thing is just like, it, you literally don't know how to segue because I don't, I don't like, know. How, how do we segue. start talking about something that we've all just been like, eh, it's fine. It happened. I guess we should discuss it. All right, Survivor yeah, season it. four is a season of Survivor that happened. Yep. Period. End of story. <laughs> anyway, so we're in the Marquesas, which if you don't know where the Marquesas are, neither do I. I Googled it. It's in French Polynesia. It's a collection of islands. We were not supposed to be in the Marquesas. This season was originally set to be in Jordan. Filming was happening in like, I think earlier, late November of 2001, which of course is very recently post 9-11. And so the whole season was kind of in pre-production still when 9-11 happened. And ultimately the decision was made to relocate the season out of the Middle East due to the political situation. So we end up in the Marquesas and to quote Queen Nicki Minaj, let's go to the beach each. We are back on the beach right. for the first time. Let's <laughs> love that so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, we're back on the beach for the first time since season one, which doesn't seem like a big deal because it's only season four. But I think we're still in this period in these early seasons of like, survivors still figuring out what it can be and what people want to watch so to to take it back to you know a location that we've already seen them try for for a show that started on the beach and then went to you know the Australian outback and then like the African savannah to then just go back to a beach it's it's not as cool of a location if anybody else has a hot to lukewarm take on us being back on a beach <laughs> 
I'll pull you in there, Anna. I think the bummer about Marquesas is not that it's on the beach and it feels like a repeat. You're just coming off Australia and Africa, which were fire. Honestly, both the seasons are great. See our previous podcast. And the environment is just interesting, right? And the Marquesas feels like a step backwards because Borneo, location-wise, wasn't great. Nick will tell you all about how much he loves the actual season, but, like, the location wasn't great. There were rats, there were snakes, there were mosquitoes, and now we have these awful things. The no-nos, is that what they were called? No-nos? Oh, yeah. That were, like... Yes, were- yes, they were called no-nos. Oh, there That was sure. a Nick joke, ew. So good. The no-nos were worse than the mosquitoes, if I remember correctly. It was almost like fire ants, but, like... Also, they were itchy bites. Like, it sounded miserable. It didn't sound like anything anyone wanted to be a part of. It's like a very different beach. It was just like we were back in Borneo. Like, it was very similar. The environments were very similar. And so I do think that was part of the reason we were able to focus on, like, relationships and the challenges and, like, other aspects of the game. Because, like, the place didn't offer much in terms of, like, a different aspect to the show. So then they had to focus on relationships, etc. I think it was interesting and I think it's interesting that like not that we're against beaches but we look at it now because it's season four like oh you're going back to a beach you're doing another beach season and I think it's funny because every season now is on a beach like they they're in the same location and Survivor just changes so much that it's not about location it's very much about the gameplay and that's just not how the original seasons were and so it's very much like oh you're taking a risk by going back to the beach because why would people watch when they're surviving a environment that we've already watched people survive I mean I I prefer when it's on a beach honestly so I like that part we're probably going to talk later about just how different the camp settings were, but I think they both had some benefits to their actual settings that was, to their actual tribe locations, that was cool too. But one thing, you know, I think it was Gabriel who said like, at some point he's like, I'm just here to see if people from all different walks of life can like make it on an island. And considering it is another beach, I kind of want to be like, yes, that was done in season one. And like, like, if you wanted to know that, like it's already happened. Millions of people already (laughs) knew that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you had to come here to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just to jump into the like two different camps, like you just said, in their tribe split up, they get obviously they get two different camps, but the two camps themselves are quite different. And I I think that that's kind of what is part of what makes a beach more interesting, at least to me, is that you have, you know, the the beach part of the sand and the water, you know, a beach. We know what a beach is. But then you have the sort of like land behind the beach or like you go into the I wouldn't call it woods I don't know if I would call it a forest either jungle perhaps but you go into the like behind the beach land and that's where things start to get more interesting and different in between the two camps so you have one camp in this case that has like a white sand beach and they have access to fruit but they only have like a stream for their water Versus the other camp, it's like more of a rocky beach. They don't have any fruit trees, but they have this like stunning waterfall that you have to like kind of go back and find. And like, that's not only their water source, but it's also just like a beautiful set piece. I forgot about that. Like, it's not something that they talk about a lot. I feel like they bring it up a lot at the beginning to like compare them, but it is really beautiful. You're like, oh, I could go to Marquesa. Should I visit Marquesa? And it's not something that, like, I wouldn't even call it a twist because there's no choice that they have in terms of, like, oh, would you rather have, you know, the camp with a better water supply or, like, the one with grapefruits? Like, they just <laughs> sort of get put in the- <laughs> Um And also, they have food. Like, whether or not they can catch fish is one thing, but, like, they, they do have the ability to have access to fish. In that vein, this is the first season that we've seen where they're not given food of any kind from the beginning. So they are given, I think, a pan, two machetes, a knife, a magnifying glass, but notably no food. Also no fishing gear, but no food. And it's one of these, like, I wouldn't even call them twists because this season is just so not interesting in that respect, but it is a season with a lot of what I would call firsts rather than twists. So like, it's the first season where they're not given food at the start. It's also the first season that you can give your individual immunity to someone else. Nobody does that. So like, <laughs> what? it's not even a twist. It's just something that's in the game for the first time ever that means nothing because the season is meh. <laughs> it's 
the first season where the loved ones actually compete in the loved ones challenge. It is the first season where we draw rocks for the tiebreaker. And then just rocking and rolling, first season with two women in the finals, and the first season where a man was voted out first. Boom. It's lit. Good. Because they're weaker than women. Yes. Go on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I know I just threw a lot out there, but again, none, not, not all of it even comes into play. So I was like, how do we propose some of these things as like, it's a twist. Let's talk about it. When like nothing happens. <laughs> I think, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that's the downfall of Marquesas is like the players just didn't pick up what production was throwing down. You know, <laughs> production was like, oh, here, give away your immunity if you want. And they're like, ew, why? (laughs) It's one of those things that, like, eventually, they know that, like, if they add this as a component to the game, eventually someone will use it, right? Right. So once you think about it that way, you're like, well, then we have to just throw it in as soon as we can, like, after we come up with it, knowing that, like, it's probably going to sit unused for seasons. (laughs) It's going to be uneventful for the first couple seasons it's there. I I agree. It's the production first. They have to do this the first time. Maybe it won't happen again, but they need to do it at least one first time because then it's just a part of the game. I do wonder if like some of the lack of twists is just a product of the fact that they had to kind of last minute go to their backup location, but it does, it does feel sparse in terms of new items that we're seeing. Okay. Two things. I think we do see them struggle a little bit with the no food just because they, this is the first time they're not given rice and everybody came into the game thinking they would get rice. And then they're literally given machetes in a pot and they're like, fuck, which I think is like that aspect of it. it. I think it was more for shock value because you're right. They then figure out like, Oh, there's crabs to eat. There's fish to catch. Like, we have ways of sort of dealing with this, especially once they get fishing gear, like they're off to the races. And so I think that aspect was more for shock value. It was like, yeah, I'm not giving you shit. Survive. Goodbye. And it's like, oh, bye, Jeff. Like, see you later. This is fun. Um, and then I will say, okay, so no one gave away their in- individual immunity. I'm circling back to that. But they did use it to barter. I think it was Kathy tried to like get Nalia or Vesepia on her side. And then, because she was like, if you're not going to give me your immunity, vote with me and then we'll force a tie and I'll do whatever it is. But like, yes, you can't transfer it, but the concept of immunity not being stuck with one person did play out in the game. So I think that was something that was a side effect of it that I don't think they were planning on, but did cause more interesting aspects to voting. And also I think it's production's way of floating the idea of an immunity idol and like immunity being fluid before they have solidified what that actually, like what they actually envision here, right? So the idea that someone other than the person who wins the challenge could have immunity is cool in, in concept. And I don't think they had idols in their mind at this point. They were like, we just want to play with this idea of immunity. Um, so I think that is where, I think the only interesting aspect of it is that you can barter with it. No, I think those are all good points. And I don't think I was giving the season enough credit to even have contemplated those things. So thank you for bringing them to our attention. Poor um, girl. Was this the first time where there was like a reward where one tribe could raid the other one? Because I think that's kind of cool. It was. I, I didn't know. If, I didn't know if that was like a first or just a reward. Yeah. I didn't know how to classify it. But go off. It yeah. Happened. Yeah. I mean, I just remember seeing that, and and it was kind of cool because I know in future seasons like they can take like one thing like was that I think in Cook Island yeah Cook Island no Pearl Islands like in Pearl Islands yeah every time they won they can like yeah but this time it looked like they took a lot I think the reward itself was you had three minutes to take whatever you wanted except like you couldn't there were one of one or two things that you couldn't take Uh, like you had to leave them with a machete they got a lot like everything So I thought that, um, I like that because just because I know we say it down the road, so it's kind of cool to see it um, in the camp, like in Tarzan. You know what I mean? Trash mm-hmm. camp, just like Tarzan. Dooby doo, jab it up. Dooby doo, jab it up. Dooby doo. Rose O'Donnell brings it all back to Survivor. Oh my God, that's the. This is the season oh. where she does the reunion. Uh-huh. Guys, I did it! Oh. I brought us full circle. Do we oh. just get the podcast right here before we talk oh. about anything? Oh. <laughs> we did it. We made it all the way back. 
Um, oh my God, I'm perfect. Oh, wow. We can talk about Rosie later. Well, but we, must, we cannot. Is she the honorable mention for the show? <laughs> <laughs> Rosie O'Donnell, honorable mention. We'll get to her, guys. We'll get to her. Don't Circle worry. Back. Put her in the spreadsheet. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, anyway, so like I was kind of saying before, to me at least, the, the biggest, you know, first of this season is that this is the first time we see a tiebreaker where we need to draw for rocks. So votes tie. In the previous seasons we've seen, in order to break the tie, they rely on, you know, who's had past votes cast against them. In this season, by being unable to come to a conclusion through chatting, Jeff is just like lets them have a chat about whether or not they can decide who to vote off. They cannot. It's still a tie. And so they draw rocks. The plus side of this is that it's totally out of their hands who is going home. The downside is that it's the final four when we see this happen. Vesepia has immunity. Two people have tied. But three people have to draw rocks. And as we see in the way that it plays out, the one person, who is Pascal in this case, who draws the purple rock to go home, didn't even have any votes against him. Stupid? I think so. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think stupid for gameplay, yes. For TV, amazing. Riveting. Great perfection TV. One of the only highlighting moments of this season. Because it's so like... What if it wait? What if Pascal goes home and then it's like, oh fuck, Pascal goes home. It's one of those satisfying moments where you're like, this is so dumb. Oh shit, why are we doing? Oh god, it was great. But yeah, gameplay it was stupid. Like, why? It should just be the two people who have votes that have to pull rocks. That's what the the tiebreaker should be. But we're like, nah, everyone pick a rock. Fuck them. Okay, so. They didn't know it was going to be throwing rocks. The season before it had oh. been trivia. It had been trivia about oh. either Marques, about their land, like about Africa, I don't remember, or like the tiebreaker, it was no longer votes cast against you. So mm-hmm. it was, I don't remember, it was some sort of trivia. I don't remember if it was like Fallen Comrades trivia or if it was like Africa trivia. I honestly don't remember. Okay. But they thought it was going to be trivia. And Kathy is like wheeling and dealing with Visapia and Jeff goes, and she goes, I'll, and I'll do the trivia. Like, if we split the votes, oh, I'll do the trivia. Yeah. And Jeff goes, if we do trivia, <laughs> classic Jeff. Classic Jeff. That's literally so coming into his own. And then they then go, okay, we'll split the votes. Like, assuming Jeff was just doing that to fuck with them. And he's like, no, no, no. You thought we were doing that. And I'm going to have you draw rocks. And not only are you two drawing rocks, Pascal's no. now involved. So fuck all of you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, Jeff. He does give a sassy speech that's like, just so you know, one of you now might be going home because all of you couldn't come to a decision. And he like scolds them. It's so cute. (laughs) It's so good. Anyway, so we draw rocks and it's very sad. Pascal goes home. But I think what gets us to that point kind of leads us to our next topic, which is we have a tie forced in the final four because Pascal and Nalia are a voting block, not even a block, a pair. They're an alliance. They're voting together. And Vesepia and Kathy are aware that they are voting together and they need to break them up because this is the only way you got to get one of them out, which I guess leads to this discussion of what to me is like the overarching theme of this whole freaking season, which is alliances and friendships and what's the difference and where do we draw the line and how do these things manifest themselves in different ways and I feel like we've all sort of brought up already that like this season was so heavily filled with scenes of them at camp and talking to one another and arguments and friendships being built and these bonds and like all these interpersonal dynamics are so heavily played out and I think we see a lot of different examples of types of alliances that are possible on Survivor. I figured we could talk about some of those. So the first one that I had kind of put on my list was Rob, soon to be Boston Rob, but is just Rob for now. And Sarah, who from the first episode, they have this flirtation and immediately everybody on their tribe is like, are they flirting or is it an alliance? Because everybody on this season is freaking paranoid whenever anyone's talking to somebody else. But it is this sort of, alliance type of flirting with someone in order to have them be on your side and then from Rob's perspective having someone who you're aligned with who you're basically doing all the legwork for and just having this like second vote so to speak 
So anybody, thoughts on specifically Rob and Sarah or like this type of alliance in general? I do think this is an interesting uh, strategy that Rob uses multiple times because even when like Sarah goes home pretty early, when he and Kathy meet to decide the merge team, the merge tribe's name and stuff, kind of even though you know he's not into Kathy, but he's like kind of doing this flirtatious thing. And then he says like, um, Kathy might be the, my new Sarah. So it's like he, I think came in thinking I just need to like find a woman basically who will be like charmed by me and then like do what I need them to do. And if you fast forward a few more seasons, like he kind of does that. I mean, it turns into more than that, but it's very interesting that that's his like method. And I, because I remember when he did it with Sarah, I thought it was not very smart. Like I, I just, I mean, we might talk more about Rob later. I just, I wasn't like super impressed with his strategy, but he does it multiple times. Like he's not trying to find someone that understands the game necessarily. He's just trying to find someone who like, he can kind of rope in with his charm and go from there. And control them. (laughs) It's really interesting now because again, guys, we've seen all-stars at this point. We're catching ourselves up on things like we decided too late in the game to turn this into a podcast. So here we are. And so it's really interesting to think about Rob having this strategy. And then I feel like seemingly he went into all-stars with the same strategy as we've kind of discussed, but Sarah, she kind of thought she was like looking for a man. I feel like, like she, she shows up and she's like walked in on that, like, like float. I don't remember. She's like sitting on the boat and everybody else is like trying to swim in. And she's like sitting on top of it, like Cleopatra or whatever. Like Rob was thinking of it kind of like in a gameplay way. And she was just like, Oh my God, he's cute. Like let's make out. And I think differently, Amber kind of originally, and she says this, she's like, I wasn't thinking of Rob as someone that I would like fall for. I was thinking of him from a strategic standpoint. And maybe that's why they ended up like actually being successful is like, they both went into it being like, you're maybe my alliance, you're my person that we're going to actually be like allies for. And then it was like, oh wait, I'm actually in love with her, which just, oh God, guys, wait till we talk about all-stars because I have thoughts. Sarah was just too unaware for that to really go anywhere other than like making out on the beach a little bit. And I think Rob wizened to that. Um, And then it was kind of like, well, my game's been ruined because she was not a good person to use that strategy on. Um, And so I think he jokingly says it about Kathy, but like it low-key doesn't not work with Kathy. Like they're not in love, but like she thinks they are friends and like have this like bond which I think has to do with that. So it's just, it's interesting knowing how that's going to play out in All-Stars that he really, he did stick to that strategy of like flirting his way through this game, even though he has other skills. He's like incredibly good in challenges. Like he's a carpenter. So like he has other, like he has so many skills to offer. And he's like, I'm going to stick with flirting. And I'm like, do better. I feel like this season though, doesn't give him the opportunity to do anything more than that because like the challenges are shit. And everything is just so focused on the way that they're interacting with one another. So, like, if they don't have strength in that, like, this is not the season for them. You know what I mean? I think Boston Rob really succeeds when he has people trying to play the game. And like we mentioned, like, this season, people were too much like, why would I break my original, original alliance that's my friend? So Rob, like, wasn't able to, like, use his true strategy because, like, nobody was playing that game with him. Where it's like what we see is very different when he comes back for All-Stars and is able to do things differently. Lit. Um, Moving on. (laughs) So another sort of... What? A segue. A segue. Here it is. So another, I guess, type of alliance that we see is the Row 2-4 where you have people who are essentially just aligned so that they have numbers from their tribe. This isn't, you know, my favorite example of that. I don't think they're very successful with it. This Rotu 4 is kind of headed up by John and includes Tammy, Zoe, and Robert, three people who I bet you don't remember what they look like. I sure don't. And I watched this yesterday, but they have this group and like they get all cocky and arrogant because they're like, we're the road two four. We got numbers. And then like, it just don't work. But it is a good example of, you know, like the type of alliance that can be successful of just having numbers from your tribe and sticking together, which um, they don't do. Because I think at one point Zoe votes for John. So like <laughs> they think they're hot shit and they're not. 
but they could have been. <laughs> Anybody feel strong? <laughs> they could have been is a perfect tagline, Anna. I think the the interesting part of the road to four, right, is like Rob M says to them, yo, Nalia and Pascal, you think you're in an alliance with them, but like end of the day, they're the top four. So like you should side with me and they don't, they side with the road to four and then literally the next episode, the row two four get rid of everyone, including Nalia and Pascal, until it's just the four of them left in the reward challenge because it's one of those three strikes and you're out games, which is truly meant to fuck shit up. So well done production for coming up with that as a concept. <laughs> it is just meant to fuck shit up in the most beautiful of ways. And um, Nalia and Pascal are like, oh, fuck, Rob M was right. <laughs> Damn it. And so then they start to like vote against them because they still had the numbers. Like there were five other people other than those row two people. So, or like it was four, four. And I think that's when they convinced Zoe to like bail because Zoe's like, you guys were so mean to them. <laughs> Zoe, I welcome. To <laughs> it's a really good Zoe impression. <laughs> Remember when she's like clamming and they like try to talk to her and she's like, I don't want to do this right now. Do, do you remember that? And she's no, like, I don't remember, Zoe. <laughs> I don't remember how I'm voting. She's like, I don't want to talk about how I'm voting. And John C's like, she's not with us. She's not with us. And he, like, starts to freak the fuck out. Do you remember this? No one? Mm-mm. Why do I, I have such vivid know. memories of Zoe, but of no one else? I remember when they come back and merge. I think this is Zoe. That Rob asks her, who are you voting for? And she's like, it's none of your business. Was that, was that Zoe? And then <laughs> Kathy, <laughs> what? I said, maybe it's then. Keep going and I'll tell you if it matches my vision. (laughs) It's when Kathy, like, it's when Rob had told Kathy, like, just so you know, they're coming for you. Like, you're not, they're not with you anymore. And so Kathy gets all mad. (laughs) And then then Rob's like, Zoe, what? He says something like, I really, or you're a cool girl or something. And she's like, thank you. And then he's like, I really thought I could trust you. And she's like, is this a compliment or are you insulting me? (laughs) And then he's like, but you're lying. Didn't you tell me that, Ka- like, he basically tries to, like, blow up her game, and yeah, she's, that's like... the episode Rob M. goes home. I do remember. Yeah, goes yeah. home. <laughs> like, but I think that's Zoe. Yeah, no, he literally tries to blow up Zoe's game, and Zoe gets pissed, and they're, like, let's just get rid of Rob M. His voice is too loud. Like, we just gotta call it. Well, and because Kathy got immunity, so, like, it, they couldn't care. Yeah, it was Kathy or Rob, but yeah. Kathy gets immunity, so Rob, like, got sent home. Yeah. I know okay, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. That's the one where Rob goes to Kathy and he's like, listen, if you don't win this immunity, you're gone. And she's like, oh, you're right. And then, like, she wins immunity because it's that easy because the challenges are shit. <laughs> was that the fly in the kite episode? It probably was. No, that was a reward challenge for a Snickers bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I feel like this season, too, like, is not as bad when you watch it, but as soon as you start to talk about it, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> what? I think the biggest ah. issue with, like, bringing us back to the row two four. Please do. <laughs> I think the biggest issue was, like, they were truly their own downfall. They were dumb. They flew too they close were, to the sun. They were legit, like, well, we're going to win the game. No one's going to be able to do anything against us. We're going to crush it. And then, like, at the challenge, like we all just mentioned, they showed the pecking order for their alliance. And, like, Nalia and Pascal woke the fuck up and were like, wait, oh, my God, we're on the bottom. And it's like, yeah, everyone told us to, like, three episodes ago, wake the fuck up. But they finally saw it, and it's like, guys, row two, four, you would have, this would have worked. You were just dumbasses. Well, they talk about it too in Final Tribal. It's like one of the only moments of interesting content when one of the row two four is talking to Nalia about like her gameplay and she has to say, you know, like I really didn't start playing the game until day 24, which surprise is that moment when they were like, oh shit, we're five and six out of six. We should probably do something about this. <laughs> Speaking, Speaking of, of Pasca and Nalia. <laughs> Pasca? Pas- 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 Pascal um, and Leah, another example of a potential alliance built on true friendship, guys. And isn't that the real prize? Not a million dollars. No. You're right. um, you did not just say that. You absolutely did not just say that. 
I might have. It's I, not. I, the prize is a million dollars. Don't get me wrong. But um, I do think that with Pascal and Nalia, like, I feel like we sort of touched on this before. And Aggie, I know you talk about this all the time. It is this idea of like, when you have a two-person alliance that is truly, truly loyal to one another, you can make it to the end. Like, if you stick with one another, the, the success rate is rather high. And especially here, where we only see one of them get out of the game based completely on luck when Pascal has to draw rocks. So I think it's a, a testament to the power of friendship. It's my tea and my truth. My issue with Pascal and Nalia, and yes, they were friends, and I will say it was interesting to see such a weird friendship turn into a power alliance that, like, made it very far. And I think that was interesting to say. But what I will say, and Stacey, I know, also has a lot of feelings on Pascal and Nalia. They were shitty people. And they hid behind this facade of, we are good Christians, but the Black people are not for us. And they're trying to, they're trying to take us down. And it's like, okay, Karen, calm down, Karen and Chad. They had this strong friendship bond alliance. And then Sean and Vesepia had a strong friendship. And Pascal and Nalia the entire time are like, how dare you have a strong friendship? How dare you? And then they would go to Kathy and they're like, they have a strong relationship because they're Black. And so they're going to make this the Black show and get out the white people. You need to side with us. And it got very uncomfortable. And like, I get it. It's 2001. But like, still, it's awkward that they were just that openly racist. And that's my feels and my tea on that. Don't we vote out Sean right after that? Yep. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do at that tribal council where it blows up. He talks about because he's a black man yelling, they're upset. Like this is a tribal, the tribal he goes home. In 2020, it's like, you're actually probably right. Like the reaction to your yelling is not necessarily because of what you're saying. And Sean says that he's like, you're not even listening to what I'm saying. You just see a black man yelling at you and you want to like, it's flight or flight. Like you want to get out of that situation. And you're not even listening to what I'm saying. Like what I'm having, what I'm saying is actually relevant and like would maybe help you. And if you listened, we could have an alliance, but you won't. There's literally a moment where Pascal, I think, says to Sean, while Sean is trying to articulate his point, and Pascal is like, no, you need to listen. And Sean's like, no, you, I'm listening. You need to listen. Well, <laughs> it's wild. Um, but I don't think you can talk about, like, Pascal and Nalia and their dynamic without also talking about Sean and Vesepia, so we can kind of hit them both from the same end. Jace, do you have thoughts on Sean and Vesepia and this really um, uncomfortable situation that Nalia and Pascal have brought us to? My only thoughts for Sean and Vesepia is like, I mean, yeah, just that they were assumed to be like so close when I don't think they were that close. Like Vesepia wanted to just stay away from the drama. She was trying to just like fly under the radar. They did start on the same team and obviously they had things in common (laughs) as being the two Black people. But I think, I don't know, like, yeah, I think Pascal and Nalia just well, we're racist. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to say about them, honestly. I think that the way the argument comes up, it, it happens pretty near to the end, and it happens at a point where, like, I think what makes it so tricky to start to unpack is that in that moment, yes, Sean and Vesepia are aligned with one another, but the point that Pascal and Nalia are trying to make is that they have an alliance because they are two Black people and that because Pascal and Nalia had just been called out, not specifically for their alliance, but specifically for the fact that like within their alliance, they have promised neither one will vote for the other. And this whole time, they're basically accusing Sean and Vesepia of having that same agreement. And what Sean and Vesepia are trying to counter it with is being like, Yes, we have a bond. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're friends. Sure, right now we're voting with each other because like we've been on the same tribe the whole time. We've built a friendship. We're both Christians. Like, yes, we are both black and we have a common like cultural understanding because of that. But neither one of us has said we wouldn't turn around and vote against the other. So stop saying that like the argument that Pascal and Nalia were trying to make while parts of it could be seen as valid, just mm-hmm. the specific thing that they were trying to say in the moment was wrong and they weren't listening to Sean and Vesepia who were trying to defend themselves. It's very frustrating to watch. Yes. 
One of my favorites from this season, so I can start our conversation about Sean and Vesepi. One of my favorite players from this season is Sean. And we t- we kind of, in planning for this, obviously we've seen All-Stars and we talked about how why we don't think Sean went back to all- for All-Stars. Some tea. Hold on. Sorry, I'm pulling this from Survivor Wiki. Shout out Survivor Wiki. <laughs> They've been really good to us. Very helpful. He was apparently in talks to participate in All-Stars, but ultimately was not chosen. Obviously he doesn't appear on all stars and he actually has gone on record to be like the fact that the only black person that they put on the show is Alicia, Alicia, Alicia. I don't know where that came from. Alicia like upset him. Like he was like, there's one person of color in all stars, right? Like everyone else is white. And And she, but Oh, Oh yeah. She is Asian. And then Alicia's black and that's it. And so he's, he kind of has said since then, he's like, I'm not, opposed to playing again but like mm-hmm. I don't need to necessarily be a part of that and apparently he was an alternate for fans versus favorites like people liked him and I'm upset he doesn't play again like I am actively upset because I really like Sean I think he was like honest and vulnerable enough that it wasn't pretentious or like ridiculous but he also like played the game he wanted he did well in challenges he wanted to like try and have alliances and be it implicit or explicit bias that like led him down a path. It's, it's frustrating to watch. Cause you're like, damn it. Like he's kind of, he's good. And you're like rooting for him. The tribal council, he gets sent home. You're like, no, not Sean, not Sean, not Sean. I was so mad guys in my notes. It's like, fucking damn it. That's literally what I wrote. I was like, I knew it was coming and yet I'm pissed. So sad. And I totally agree with you. Like Sean to me, especially re-watching this season and knowing what Boston Rob will become in, like, the legacy of Survivor. When you watch season four, Sean makes way more sense as someone to bring back than Rob. Oh, for sure. Like, Rob was entertaining, I guess. Not I guess. He was. Maybe maybe they just wanted him to hit on hot women. I think they did. Well, also, like, when you watch watch the reunion, Boston Rob was adored. Yeah. He wasn't on the jury, but like at the reunion when Queen Rosie O'Donnell introduced Boss and Rob, like the crowd has a mental breakdown. Like starts screaming like "Ah!" So like there's a reason why Boss and Rob came back because like he was clearly a fan favorite. Yeah. And I think comparing Rob to um Sean, Rob had really good like um interviews. Like anytime they like pulled him to the side to do like he was good with the commentary so i think i bet they also liked that yeah he he did remember sean doing that many like interviews honestly so much to my own chagrin (laughs) i love listening to sean i don't think he had seen survivor i think he'd seen it before yeah so So, like for some like that just shows me he should have played again because like someone with such such good instincts around survivor he should have played again. Like, he didn't know how to play. Ugh. I think even Vesepia should have played again. And I know that she also was, I, maybe it's a rumor, but I read possibly on Survivor Wiki that she was also, like, plucked for All-Stars and she had been, like, cleared and confirmed to go and then that was later, like, retracted. So I don't know Ugh. who she would have kind of swapped out for, but I would have liked to see her on All-Stars, especially, again, second rewatch of this season. I do think she's more interesting when you know that she's the winner and you can kind of watch for that in this season. That's true. Does anybody want to touch on anything before we talk about Final Tribal? Um, (laughs) Like, is there anything else? I think those are the big alliances. I think you start start to see, like, Kathy didn't have them. This is definitely a season where Rotu is kind of, they're there, like, the whole time, right? Like, Mara Amu ends up being, like, Vesepia and Sean and Rob M are the only original Mara Amu people who make it to the merge. So the fact that Vesepia is even still there at the beginning, at the end is quite impressive and I think speaks to her alliance with Sean. Um, just like the wheeling and dealing that took place in the end because she was able to win a few immunities that really helped her. There was just like some interesting aspects to those alliances at the end that became very interesting when even though Rotu like kind of could have stomped their way to the end, they weren't able to because of certain immunities won the strength of the Sean Vesepi alliance. Like it should have been a Rotu dominated season and it ended up not, which was kind of cool. <laughs> I think the only other thing with the two tribes, like 
the first tribes, I guess, at the beginning, is that I did think it was interesting how one tribe was so, like, focused on working all the time and just, like, nonstop, like, trying to make camp life more, I guess, more efficient, I guess. And then the other side, it seemed like they're having much more fun. They're relaxed. They had, like, the morning show, and they just were trying to, like, kind of enjoy themselves. And so when they did the morning show... Yeah, the morning show is kind of funny. And then when they swapped, well, when they, yeah, swapped first or like mixed up, it was just funny to see people realize like, oh, the other tribe is not doing what we're doing. Like their their life has been very different though. And then when they merged too, like that's when there was some kind of like resistance because some of them were like, I'm not going to just work all the time. Like we don't have to work all the time. Um, So it was just interesting to see how different because it's, I don't know, to me, it's like, what caused that? Like, was it just luck of the draw that those people were like, thought they needed to work all the time? Was it the camp they were on that did require more work? Like, what are the odds that, well, you I know, that's, that's that way? became the age difference because on Maramau, let me know how to say it, Maramau, sure, <laughs> they were like made up of like, they had younger people there and like more of a mixture and they were definitely like the younger people were like let's make our own rules for a survivor like let's not do what like do what's expected let's like make this our own we're not going to follow the formula that is survivor and you saw that with like sean and boston rob and sarah who was there for like a couple episodes they're like we're gonna like just kind of do it and so we don't have to be working the entire time Mm -hmm. whereas the other tribe was very much like it had the older generation people who were workhorses and the younger people kind of just like fell in line and were like well let's do the survivor thing let's fall in line and let's survive and be like the workhorses and so i think that's like where you kind of saw the difference in tribes which then makes you wonder, because they, they were, like, the tribes were already established at the beginning, right? It wasn't like a pick, like, it wasn't like... Yeah, it makes not what we saw, at least, yeah. want to do it like that and kind of see what would happen, or, like, I'm just, it's so interesting just to think about how it, like, broke, fell out that way. Except for Nalia, because wasn't she on the older people tribe? She was on the older tribe, and she, I think, was 21, but she was yeah. certainly, like, an old soul. Yeah, like, she was like, cool. was her best friend. Yeah. Well, it just makes you wonder if maybe production picked them to be tribes on purpose for TV reasons. hmm I'm sure they do. Like, I always wonder what aspects of casting go into putting the tribes together and, like, what sort of information they have about people and, like, how much time they've spent with them, how many interviews they've done to, like, get enough info to, like, put them together like you would college roommates, you know? Like, what kind of surveys do they make them test? They do, like, they like do. That? They do um, psychological testing. So I wonder if they're like, oh, these people are all kind of similar in personality. Let's just put them on the same track. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and put like one random in and see how they do or something like that. A wild card. <laughs> like a psychology experiment. Survivor just is one big psychology experiment. Which we is love why it. we're still talking about it. So yeah. much to talk about. So little time. Anyway, let's talk about Final Tribal and how boring it was. Anna has poured it there she is it's just you think about final tribal as like this it's the be all end all of the season right like you voted all these people out now they're on the jury the jury finally gets to speak there's all this pent-up energy you want some drama you want some flair and we just didn't get it this season we got a lot of very kind-hearted statements and a few like reasonable questions and it just wasn't a vibe so so tammy opens the show and yeah, she thinks she's too. sue hawk and she like has this whole little speech that just like is a watered down version of a sassy final tribal speech where she basically is like you guys were hypocrites and you hid behind religion but really you know you deceived the same as all of us yet you condemned us for it but she then goes on to not ask a question and to say like, but you had good gameplay and you made it to the end and we didn't. So congratulations. And she sits back down. And then I think Sean is next. And like, he asks them a fairly reasonable question too. 
And then later on, there's just a lot of like, it's not game respect game. It's literally just like, you guys are here. I'm like mad, but not mad. I have to vote for one of you. And it's kind of like, why? What are, what's happening? It's like, weird because I feel like when we, when we talk about Final Tribal, I feel like every season, you know, the ones that we've had a podcast for and, and things yet to come, the idea comes up of like the jury calling them out for being deserving or not deserving. And in this Final Tribal, everybody gets up there and just pretty much universally says that they're both deserving, not because of their yeah. gameplay, but because of their good hearts. And like, it's I think when you have a final two who have kind of quietly made it to the end like this and nobody on the jury makes them explain their strategy or their gameplay, we as the audience are then like, but wait, how did it happen? Like, <laughs> how did you end up here? Like, Vesepia maybe by being nice, because she does win Fallen Comrades and she knows all that information about everybody. <laughs> I think that's really interesting, Anna, that like the final tribal was so boring. And so us as an audience assume that Nalia and Vesepia are just boring people. <laughs> and like, we're like, you're kind of like forced into thinking, oh, Vesepia is a boring winner. When in reality, like if you go back and watch, she's actually a very smart player and a smart, interesting winner, but nobody talked to her about it she wasn't questioned about it so we didn't see that aspect played out in final tribal so we're just sitting here like Vesepia was a winner okay cool moving on I so badly wanted somebody to call her out and say like what did you do to get here like I didn't see you making any big moves or blah 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 Mm -hmm. so that she could defend herself because like you know that she has it in her to be like no here's what I did here's the moves that I made and this was my strategy and so it's yeah, kind of disappointing like, not to hear her talk about it. It's almost like we want to silence these women. And like, they, the jury was more concerned with their own, like, concern with them being heard than it was about hearing about the final two and how they got there. It was, it was really just like, I want to say my piece and I don't want to let you say yours. Which kind of sucks, like, in retrospect. They earned their spot there, regardless of whether or not you agree with it. So, like, I don't really care what you have to say. And I think Jeff frames Final Tribal as it's your chance to say a statement or a question. And it should be you have to have a question. Ace, did you have another thought? I feel like you were going to say something. Um, no, no. Oh, cool. <laughs> I um, all of that. <laughs> Casey disagrees with my tea. She's like, yes, go off. It's just like, so I, funny. Like, I watched many of these seasons today, but I'm still just like... I, I don't never I never need to see it again. It's fine. I I was rewatching like the first I got to like maybe season I mean episode like six or seven. I was rewatching it and I realized I'm not a Kathy fan like I thought I was in the season. Mm-mm. Like I thought I liked her until All Stars, but she was annoying. She was really annoying. She asks Vesepia something. And Vesepia answers and she goes, Did I answer your question? And Kathy is like no, but it's fine. And like, sits down. And you're like, you don't even ask her to like do it again. You're not even gonna be mad. She literally just says, like, just forget it and like sits back down. <laughs> Clearly everybody went into final tribal, like knowing who they were gonna vote for and that their mind was not gonna be swayed. So maybe that's why it was so boring. Yeah, maybe maybe that is also part of why they didn't ask many questions because it was just like I know who I'm voting for. Like so I'm, many of them didn't ask a question. It was that's wild to me that production was like, "This is fine. <laughs> We're okay. This is fine. We're all good." <laughs> Got what we talk about a more interesting thing, like our honorable mention. So what about, like, honorable mention to Hunter and Gabriel, who didn't make the merge, but were the, the hotties of the season? Anna, take it. I mean, I, I feel like you should introduce, because it was your idea. I don't want to steal your thunder. Okay, Rosie O'Donnell's the honorable mention. We talked, about, we talked about it being John C., which, shout out to John C. He was sort of the core push for the Road to Full Alliance. Okay. He's also a gay, which we love. He also had some pretty interesting just moves in general. If you want us to talk more about it and let us know on social media and we can go off a little bit more. But And he got uh, peed on. 
Oh my yeah. God, I forgot about that. I forgot Kathy peed on him. He had multiple yeah. injuries. Like he was struggling with the injuries. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of went for it, didn't he? Um, so yeah, if we want to talk, if you guys want to talk more about John C, hit us up on social media. We'll like banter back and forth with you, have a little chat, whatever you want. But our honorable mention for this season has to be Rosie O'Donnell. And <laughs> she's not on the season. She's on the reunion. She is the host. <laughs> And not only is she the host, she rides in on a motorcycle on the back of Colby Donaldson, of all people. Shout back to season two, a personal fave forever and always. And she rides in on this motorcycle, kisses him on the cheek, and sits on the stage at the Delacorte Theater in the middle of Central Park like, hey, bitches, let's talk about season four because I fucking love Survivor. And I'm like, I'm sorry, how do I get to do that? Like, how do I get to ride in on a motorcycle with Colby Donaldson and then ask players about the game I love so much? Like, honorable mention for sure. I think Don't she forget that she also does a musical number. Yes. <laughs> and oh my God. She's just like, we don't deserve Rosie O'Donnell. And she's just like such a, she's such a good host of the reunion also. Like, it reminds you why Rosie O'Donnell like is one of the original talk show hosts. You're like, oh right, like you're good at this. Like, you're good at having a conversation, but also like bringing people into the conversation who weren't necessarily going to be a part of it and to begin with, without just being like, oh, right, the first six of you who were voted out that no one remembers, let's just check in with you and see how you are. I think it was cool because Rosie, you could tell, was truly a fan. And she was just like, Ugh. I want to talk about the things that people actually care about and the things that are interesting to me. What a great moment for us. And Rosie O'Donnell is a queen. Like, she doesn't get the love and respect she deserves. I mean, we all love Jeff Probst and like he will eventually come into his own and like he will learn to make, you know, sassy quips. But I mean, he's not a comedian. Like Rosie is a comedian. I think it's telling that her 40 minutes of a reunion special were the most exciting part of a 14 episode season <laughs> to close um, us out. Nice to have a change of, uh, of hosts. That other guy who wasn't doing it for me. Brian Gumble. <laughs> He's not, yeah, like he just seems honestly. And I'm proud of you for knowing his name. Yeah, I, know. I'm like, I just called him that inflammatory man from seasons one through three. Um, oh, it's time for your favorite part of the podcast. Wow, I'm surprised you know that it's from wrestling, which is uh, sport, but also in entertainment. It's also TikTok now, so... Oh, true. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for our rapid-fire questions? That's poppy. First up, which camp would you rather have? The camp with the waterfall or the camp with the grapefruits? <laughs> waterfall. Nick? Um, grapefruits. A bitch gotta eat. Stacy? <laughs> fruit. I would go with the fruit. <laughs> I go with the waterfall. Maybe it's my mistake, but it's happening. All right. Seems nice. I think I'd get into it. You, you, you would vibe with the waterfall. It's a I whole vibe. Thing. You might die of starvation, but at least you got a waterfall. <laughs> at I least mean, you'll I'm die gonna, in style. If I'm going to go out early, I may as well go out having had a beautiful experience in the Marquesas. On that note, <laughs> Gabriel's legacy to not play Survivor, but to have an adventure in your humble opinion, if you were to go on Survivor, would it be to win the game or to have the experience? Obviously, like going on it, you're already having the experience. But like when you apply, like you're, like you're applying for Survivor, hypothetically, or for real, do what you want. Are you <laughs> applying for the chance to like play and win the game? Or are you applying to be like, I'm gonna go have an adventure on the beach? Because for me, it's the adventure. I think for me, it's not so much the adventure. It's for the notoriety of being <laughs> in a reality competition show. Nick, like, what was the question? <laughs> no, there is. Like, I'm not going there to really win a million dollars. I'm going there to oh. make good-ass TV. Like, I'm chasseing onto your TV screen. Like, hey, bitches, it's me. It's Nick. What up, guys? Let's get into Survivor this week. And I would be the best person those producers had ever have on that show. Okay, so Nick's answer was neither. Stacy, I can be. <laughs> I, well, I mean, student loans are real. And so I would be going for the money. But I will say, and this is maybe similar to Nick, like, 
I also would go because I feel like once you're on the show, it's a select amount of people have been on it. And then you become kind of like a family. You meet a lot of people through it. Lots of people, you know, date. <sighs> I'm pretty single. So, you know, <laughs> I think I would also go just for like to be one of the survivor family as well. That's beautiful, Stacey. All right. So Nick's going for the social media notoriety. Stacy's going to get herself a family. Aggie, <laughs> are you going for the game or the experience? <laughs> <laughs> just a husband not like the parents like just for a husband yeah no just you know a man and then subsequently a family um, so i think stacy i'm like kind of on board with trying to find your man through survivor i'm not like not saying that i think for me it's it's really different right like yeah i think we'd all love the money but i think part of the reason that i want to go on survivor currently is because i'm watching the show and realizing how much i love it right and so for me i would be that like dork fan who's like this is so cool like it's just cool that i get to be out here still happen this show is still happening since we were like tweens um, or preteens, if you will, um, maybe even like six. I how, I was nine in 2000 when this show started. So, and I think Anna and Nick were five. <laughs> five. So, perfect. Um, and so I think it's something we've grown up with, right? And it's like this beautiful idea of what is it actually to go on Survivor? It's elusive and kind of exciting and you kind of just want to be a part of it. I think I would maybe, I guess my short answer would be the experience. Like I wouldn't not want the million dollars. Like that would be sort of my driving force for why I even apply to go on in the first place. Cause like a million dollars sounds nice, but I think in reality, I would want to be there for the experience. And so I think for me, I would want to know what can I push myself to do? How strong can I be? How successful can I be here? And so for me, I think the experience would be something I really was interested in. Wow. That was such an Aquarius answer. It took me like eight minutes to say, I'm so sorry. And then ranted for another five minutes. These were um, very lovely answers though. Cause it's an all encompassing question. Because, like, once you're on Survivor, like, you're in the game. So, next question. Picture yourself. You're on the Mara Amu tribe. It's time to do the morning show. What segment are you in charge of improving? No. Take a moment. Think about it. Well, this is a lot of pressure. Like, one that they had, or like, if we created one? Could be one that they had. You could create it. Whichever. I'll go first. I would do a food segment. I think it would be very silly to do like a recipe with like things you find on the beach, like one dead crab, but also like some sticks and some sand, like do a cooking demonstration. I think it would just be, oh, that would be funny. Anna. That would be funny. Nick? You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> and just mention the no-nos and that would be it. You know what Love really it. grinds my gears? No-nos. Moving on. <laughs> Stacy, So mine would be the morning motivation. It would be some inspirational thing. Oh, why are you the, reason, good the reason I say this is because in high school, I was class president and I had, no, I was SGA president. I'm sorry. Let me not misrepresent. And I had to read the morning announcements every morning of senior year. And there was like a, a pre already given to me morning motivational thing I had to read every day. And at the end, I had to say, make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. So I would take that skill and transfer it to Survivor. I love it. It'd be a hit. Um, I I want you to do that for me now. Start recording them and sending them to me every morning. You can put it in our group chat. I'm in. For all this, like, wanting to do a podcast, and now I can't come up with my own segment to run. Um... (laughs) It could be kind of funny to do something like completely in jest, like traffic. (laughs) 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 Yeah, no, like fully just like pretending there's traffic on the island. (laughs) I love it. It would either go over really well with my tribe mates, be like, she's a loon, she has to go first. Like it's one or the other. There is no in between. Um, But I think that's what I would do. I think I'd do it for the laughs, and I'd I'd be the traffic girl. I love it. We'd have a great morning show, the four of us. Um, I think we should start it. We should, you know what we should do? We should do a podcast. Yeah, I think that's right. All right, our final rapid fire question to close us out for season four. Which challenge was the dumbest and why was it flying a kite? (laughs) If you would like to counter that with a dumber challenge, be my guest. There There is nothing dumber than make your own kite. Yeah, they're bad challenges and they have no commentary, so like they're extra awful. Oh my god, Jeff still didn't do commentary this 
he did uh, just a little bit. He's, not very he's working on it. <laughs> I think the cracking coconuts was so dumb because it was just like, that's all it was. Like, it wasn't like crack the coconut to fill the thing to get a key out. It was like crack the coconuts and fill the hole. Like, that's it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the fly in the kite one is so good yeah. because you're just like, what? Like, the best part about the flying the kite challenge is like episodes later when Kathy has like a sad decision to make. So she like takes her kite to the beach. Like this kite that we haven't seen in the game since this stupid challenge. She like takes her kite to the beach and like the sad music plays and she can't get her kite to get into the air anymore. And she's like, I just, it's just dragging on the sand. <laughs> That's so dramatic. Hold on. I found my list of challenges. There are some other really good ones that I feel like we should bring up. Stilt fighting. Stupid. Oh. <laughs> They're given the stilts by Jeff, and Jeff is like in tree mail. He's like, practice. Oh, yeah. And then they don't, and they literally can't do it. Like, they physically get nothing done. Like, it's it's not stilt fighting. It's who can stay up the longest. <laughs> the question becomes, can any of you take a step towards each other? The answer is no. The answer is no, they absolutely cannot, which is everything to me. So, yeah, I think that w- that one falls in there as well. So I never like the SOS signal one. I just don't like that one. Uh, Did we have one of those this season? Yeah. I think those. I must after the <laughs> that team was, like, missing a lot of their things they would have used because of the mm-hmm, rain. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just don't like it. It's just, it's not that exciting. Like, I at least like the building of a bathroom or home or whatever. But the SOS is just boring to me. Ugh. Wow. Good thing we liked this season. We talked about it for an hour and a half, so... Yeah, that just pretty much is is it. Oh, four. (laughs) What a season. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you liked this episode, be sure to leave us a review. Tell us what you thought, what you liked, what you didn't like. Be sure to subscribe so that you're always getting notified when we drop a new episode. We will be releasing new episodes each week. Follow our social media for even more Escaping Reality content. We are at Escaping Reality Pod on Instagram and at ESC Reality Pod on Twitter. If you yourself have been a contestant on Survivor, and you want to tell us what we got totally wrong, slide into our DMs. If you want to be on the show, we would love to talk to you about your season. Until next time, thanks for escaping reality with us.